Welcome to Retirementals, a podcast that dives headfirst into the issues facing the financial sector at the intersection of investment, technology and financial advice. Hosted by Abraham Oksanya, you can expect raw honesty, critical analysis and energetic interviews. Here is your host, Abraham Okasanya. All right, welcome to Retirementals. I'm Abraham Okasanya, and I am really, truly excited. I know I say this about every guest, but this one is uh, very, very, very special indeed. I'm talking about none other than the legendary George Kinder. George uh, is the founder of Life Planning, um, the, the founder of the Kinder Institute, an author of seven books, um, and he's trained um, over 4,000 professionals um, around the world over the last 35 odd years um, in the field of financial life planning. George Kinder, welcome to Retirementals. I've been really looking forward to this, Abraham. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Really a thrill to be here. So so am I. So am I. Thank you for, for making the time. Let's just dive right in. Um, you know, for, for anyone who's been living under the rock <laughs> for the last, uh, uh, you know, couple of years, who may not be familiar with who George Kinder is, give us um, a little bit of context around you, how you got into into the profession, and the, the the difference that you make today. Wow. Well, let's see if I can do that in a few <laughs> sentences for you. <laughs> I um, I, I'm, I, like, like many people, the um, finance money was just a job for me, and I really wanted to do um more artistic work and meditative work. And we'll, I know we'll talk about that later in the interview. Um, but what I, uh, so I was doing tax returns for a living and trying to figure out how I could get free. Freedom means everything to me. And what I realized as I was doing this work was that my clients also wanted to be free. Mm. They weren't happy with where they were. I mean, just a little bit here, a little bit there, but they just weren't quite free. And so I moved into financial planning because financial planning has all the tools of money available to help you become free. I mean, if that isn't the purpose of financial planning, I'm really not sure what is. And so I moved into it and um, and began to design uh, structures and ways of understanding how people might move into freedom and first identify what it is for them. I burst onto the national scene in America. So this started way back in the 70s, Abraham. And I burst onto the national scene in America. It was the late 80s, early 90s before, early 90s before I burst onto the national scene. And um, and everybody was stunned. You know, oh, this is about freedom. Oh, wow. And so I created, what I did was I created um, a number of different workshops and ultimately a program that gave trainers both the experience of freedom inside themselves, what they really wanted, mm. not just the job, but what they really wanted out of life. And, and simultaneously, as they had this experience, I, um, I, I gave them the training in how to deliver it to their clients. So it was very popular. As you said, we're in 30 countries all over the world. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a ride, really quite, quite special um and uh thrilling and and the uk 
is is my favorite place to be. I, mean, <laughs> I, I know you all complain about the weather and everything. I love the weather. I love everything about the UK. So um, uh, so anyway, I'm I've missed it these last two years because of COVID. Uh, just kind of keeping laying low and all that, but uh, we're on our way over this summer. That's brilliant. So yeah, you're 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 going to be around. You said in 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 June, July uh, here in the UK. That that's wonderful. Um, so let let's just talk about this this key difference to your mind between uh, you know life planning and you know traditional financial planning or or financial advice you know people will say to me the, the way you've just described this about about freedom and then many advisors will say well we 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 do that with our clients but do they really yeah, I think that's the real question. And I, I would argue that there are absolutely there are some that are just naturally good at it, Abraham. And and you and I know that we've met them and we're astonished at, at their their power, their wisdom, their insight, all of that. But most people look at money as something to do two things with either to increase it or to temper its riskiness. And those are the two things that a financial advisor, a financial planner specializes in. But what's worse, of course, is that so many of them are just selling. They're selling product. They're selling their spreadsheets. They're selling their marquee of who they are. And what life planning requires more than anything, even more than this inspiration to freedom, is a profound quality to our listening. So that we, so that the client goes, wow, you know, this guy's really here for me, or this, 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 this woman's really here for me. This person's really here for me, and they, and they're stunned by it. They're taken aback by it, and we just keep, we keep that listening, particularly through the first meeting. And most, most advisors don't know how to listen that well. I, I, I'd say that the first meeting for me other than the final half hour where I do a little bit of special stuff, the first meeting for me is anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half. And 90% of it is the client talking, not me talking. So that's, that's, that's great life planning. And uh, so we listen really well and that builds trust and, and the, the client, you know, you don't lose them. It's, it's the whole fiduciary thing. You're, you're clearly a fiduciary for the client. And then you move toward what, 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 what am I already hearing that really inspires the client? And you get excited about that. So you, we, we're, we're trained in the, in the program, we're trained to, to notice the slightest quality of concern or disappointment or sadness or fear or frustration and to empathize with it. That's the right thing. Not to say, hey, here's my spreadsheets. I'll show you how to do this. Uh, but to really empathize, to be there in, in the shoes with the client and, and then to also notice what they're excited about because that's the first hint of where they really want to go. And most advisors will never take them there. Don't ever know. Fascinating stuff. So, so we'll, we'll come to the program. I want to d d dive a little bit into the structure of, of the Kinder Institute and, and, and the programs, um, you know, that, that you, you have for advisors. But just on that topic of the first meeting, right, with the client, you mentioned about having 
um, you know, the first sort of 90% of, of that meeting, of the six, you know, 60 minutes, an hour meeting with the client, with the client doing much of the, the talking. What is it that, uh, you know, a, 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 an advisor will be asking to get the client talking in that meeting? What should it look like? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Abraham, it's so amazing because the uh, um, uh, that's a really, really good question. And that we ask the simplest of questions. And I laugh because it, it's not so much in the question that we ask as it, as it is in our quality of listening. So that when we ask that I pre pretty much just ask one question. So, you know, why are you here? <laughs> and and the client starts to talk, and they might talk about the SEP or the the uh, the the SIP or the uh, you know the pension or the taxes or the portfolio or something. I said, no, 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 no. If you and I were to work together, if I were really to become your financial planner, or your financial advisor, what would what would happen over that period of time? Over that say that say we were together for years, what what would you expect to occur? Why are you here? Why are you here? And and that begins to get them going. And it turns out that when you empathize, oh, when they mention the slightest hint of troubles with their eldest son, let's say, or um, slightest hint of a, a worrisome thing about their uh, about their mother, and you go, oh, and you just be quiet. You don't go, oh, tell me more. You just go, oh. And that tells them he or she is really here. They're really listening. They, they aren't going to force me into their narrow frame of what's your mother doing. They're just going to share. They're with me emotionally. And that means I can wander there or I can leap to the thing that really upsets me. And that is that I've always been an artist and I've never been able to do it. And I've never shared it with anybody. So if we form that emotional link with the client, they'll share whatever whatever needs to be shared. And that's, that's what we wanna hear if we wanna know what freedom means to them. Now a word from our sponsor. Nikki Hitton Jones is the Managing Director and the Chief Investment Officer at Betafolio, the high tech, low cost, discretionary model portfolio manager. Typical model portfolio service costs about 36 basis points. That's in addition to the funds, the platform, you know, the advice fees. Tell us a bit about Betafolio's view and approach on fees. Well, I don't think anyone that knows us already, Abraham, would be surprised to hear me say that in a nutshell, NPS fees are too high. Um, if you include the fund charges and the platform fee that you already talked about, we get close to 1%, I think, on average for a lot of retail clients. And that's before they start paying for the financial plan, which is the part of the service that will ultimately add the most value for them in their advisor relationship and experience. Um, so, I mean, my view on fees and Betafolio's view on fees is that they have a real impact on current outcomes that need attention. Um, 
And that's why we're building a scalable solution with technology that will allow us to keep costs low. And I think we also should consider the impact of these fees on advisors' businesses too. Advisors need to to make a profit from, from their work. They need to have a viable business. And their cost bases have been rising because of regulation. And the, the more cost they have to pass through to their clients for overcomplicated services in, in turn puts pressure on the advisor's own fees and, and ultimately makes it not possible for them to, to run a, a good business. So fees are really crucial. Um, and I'm really happy that we're in a position to be having a positive influence on the, the trends in the market. Good stuff. Thank you, Nikki. The, the, the thing I hear from advisors um, often is that, you know, we're financial advisors. People come in to talk to us about their pensions and their investment. You know, we, if, if we're going to be talking to them about freedom and, you know, these big things going on in their lives, first of all, we got to seek permissions from, you know, from them to, to talk about these things because they might not want to talk about it. And secondly, you know, are we really equipped and trained, um, you know, to be able to have the, this conversation um, effectively? Yeah, the answer to the second question is no, they're not, they're not trained. They're, most, many of us are equipped. Many of us have intuitive way of, of understanding listening, but they haven't been trained. And the first thing is, the, why, why are clients coming in? Why on earth would you go to a financial advisor just to talk about figures and facts? I mean, yes, we do. We do. But why do we do that? And the answer is pretty clear. You know, you look at the newspapers you read. Who, who is it that they're quoting? You know, they're, they're, it's all big product companies that are kind of defining what it is that you're supposed to talk to your financial advisor about. And the product companies want to sell you the product. They don't care about your freedom. They aren't really interested in who you are as a person. That's, that's the difference that a great financial advisor, a great financial planner, a great life planner makes is that I care about you as a person. And so, so when the client comes in, they're thinking all this money stuff. But you know what? The first time they come in to see you, most of them, you know, whether they're riding an Uber in or taking the subway or, or you know, driving in or walking in, they're thinking, oh, gosh, I'm going to see Abraham. I've heard a lot of good stuff about him, you know, but I'm just, I, I really want to tell him about this piece of my life that I really want to do this. And uh, gosh, I hope I can get there with him. Or I really want to talk about something that troubles me and my family. I don't know whether I, you know, I've heard really good things, but I don't know whether he can listen, you know? And so the, what happens is that even a good advisor will interrupt and redirect we might be able to get away with that once, but if we try it twice in an interview, the client just goes, it's your meeting, you know? And, and they hand it over to us as financial advisors, and then we go into the retirement plan and the taxes and the portfolio adjustments and all that, and we've lost them. 
we've lost them. So they come in with their expectations formed already by the media, which really means the big industrial figures of, of, the, of the industry, not, not who they really want to be. Money should be about well, who we really want to be and how we want to live our life, clearly. So that's what I would say to your, to your, uh, uh, to your advisors is they've been brainwashed too by the product companies. Hmm, we've all been. Yeah, um, we've the, 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 the coming back, coming then to, to that, that issue about training, talk to us about the Kinder Institute, what you do, the trainings, um, you know, that, that, that are the training programs that are available to, to advisors. Um, who really want to, um, you know, become um, experts at, at, at doing this. Yeah. Um, what, what's, you know, you go to the, the normal training, you, you're getting your seat, you're chartered, you're getting your certified, you go to the normal trainings and that's all good stuff. And you, we need it. We need that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not saying that ain't good, but, but it's not enough. And what um, and what we what we do that's really quite extraordinary is we give people the experience, particularly in what we call the evoke training. That's the most amazing one of all. We give them the experience of what it is to be life planned. So if you and I were going and we're participants, Abraham, you and I might pair up and you would life plan me for four or five days. That would be incredible for both of us. I mean, I get so much from your, you know, as, as you become the better and better listener, whatever, I get so much from your insights and all of that. And you'd have three trainers who are watching you and say, you know, if you just tweak this or what about, you know, just, you know, holding your chin or just, or, or you know, uh, where's your emotion, Abraham? You know, do you see, do you see George, what's going on? So you're getting all this training going on and I'm getting the benefit of it. And at the end of that, I'm living my life plan. And at the same time, I come back and I do the same thing with you and I get coached and I get told, Hey, you're not listening, George, you know, shush, you know, uh, pay attention to the feelings. And at the end of that, I come out and I, I go, wow, I'm ready to do this with my clients. If I can do Abraham, I can do, I can do my clients. Um, so it's a, it's an amazing, it's experiential. And I think that that's the most important thing. And that's what the important thing about what it is to be human. That's what we want here. And that's what we deliver, what it is to be human. And so we give that to the financial advisor and we give it to their clients. And in the trainings, we play both roles, but it's not a playing, it's real. You come in with your real stuff, man. And, and you know, you're going to get delivered into that, into the world, what you really want in your life. Pretty amazing. So, 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 so there's the, there's the Vogue training, which is a four or five day course where, uh, you know, you, you get that, that, you know, that experience of being a life planner. How, how do you go from that to becoming, um, you know, a certified, um, you know, a registered life planner? What, what's the journey? What does that look like? Well, there's two other courses that are required. Um, one of them is a two-day training. It started the whole the whole deal, and it, it came from my uh, uh, best-selling book, The Seven Stages of Money Maturity. So that, there's a two-day workshop on that. And then in addition, there's a six-month mentorship where you get, get together with the 
uh, 10 or so uh, other planners moving toward the registered life planner designation. And, and you dive into doing casework with your clients and reporting on it to, to people and getting feedback on how you're doing. So there's kind of a six month mentoring of your process. And then after that, we, we, we ask people to take, um, you know, ongoing courses every couple of years so that they're still doing it. They've got their, their thing down. So it, that's really what the, uh, the program is. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. So, so give us a favor. There is the famous three questions, the kinders three, three questions. Give us a flavor of what they are and um, why they're important. So um, you and I have been talking just now mostly about listening and how incredible that is and what it reveals and how the client just opens up to a great listener. Um, I mean, think about that for a moment. Abraham, you, you know, you're going into a meeting and do you want someone to tell you about all the tax stuff and all this stuff? Or if they really listen to you and then bring it up, wow, what an incredible relationship that is. So anyway, after that listening meeting, which is where you establish trust and the true kind of fiduciary nature of I'm really here for you, the next meeting, you pick up on some of the clues that have happened in the first meeting as to what inspires the client, but you also ask them three questions. And um, uh, and, and this is, we, we've got a number of exercises, I should say. This is not the only one I use, but it's the one that's most famous. People like it a lot. And, and you ask them in order. They have to go in order. So the first one is, if you had all the money that you needed for the rest of your life, you know, maybe you're not as rich as J.K. Rowling. Maybe you're not as rich as the Queen of England. But you got all that you need for the rest of your life. What would you do with your life? How would you live it? So we get people to kind of fantasize, you know, winning the lottery and, you know, going, going that way. And that loosens them up because you can't ask a deeper question first. So then we go to a much deeper question. It's life and death, really. The, 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 you ask the client... Um, so here the scenario is that you go to see your physician, your doctor, and he or she says to you, I I'm so sorry, but you've got, I've got some bad news. There's some good news in there. The good news is you're going to live the rest of your life with all the health that you're feeling right now. But the bad news is that you only have five to 10 years left to live. And you won't know the moment of your departure. You'll live at least five, but not make it to 10. So now the question is, what would you do with your life? What, how would you shift things? What, how would you live your life? So you can see that's much more reflective. People more often than not bring up more legacy-oriented issues, and certainly family comes up a lot for people. Third question goes deeper still. And here, it's similar setup. You're going to see the physician and she says, hey, you know, we blew it. You've had a rare ailment and it's come to term. I'm, I'm terribly sorry to tell you that you only have 24 hours left to live. And the question is not what you would do with that time. So it's a different question. The question is reflecting on all your anticipations, all your dreams of freedom uh, that had come up for you as to what you would be doing, who you would be, what you would accomplish. 
question is, what did, what did you miss? Who did you not get to be? What did you not get to do? And the surprising thing there is that a lot of those things come up and they don't sound like they have anything to do with money. But the surprising thing is that that's where the life plan primarily lies because it's life and death. And it's what's really most important to us, to us of all. It really is the legacy. What did I miss? Who did I not get to be? Well, I want to deliver that for every client that comes into my office. I want to deliver that into their life. And there, there are, are obviously there's some tricky things that can come up where they can't, it can't be delivered. And we work as part of the training as we train. Well, how do you get as close to that as you possibly can? But that's what you and and what happens when a client gets that is that suddenly they're on fire. They have so much more energy and vitality in their life uh, that they deliver things that they thought they wouldn't be able to deliver for years. And we try to deliver this dream for them within a couple of years, within anywhere from a month to three years, within a very short time frame. So that's a very important piece of it, to have a short time frame to deliver something extraordinary for the client. Incredible, incredible stuff. The thing going on in my mind is that we've now, George, we've now spent two meetings <laughs> talking about this stuff, getting into the bottom of, you know, what freedom means to the, to the, to the client. And we haven't even touched on the money stuff, on the number stuff, I guess, how, how, how do advisors reconcile this? There is obviously, you know, uh, fee structure, um, you know, time and expertise that's been delivered in these two hours, plus then there's all the number crunching stuff. Many advisors might say, well, I haven't got the resources. There's not enough profit in this to, um, you know, to justify spending that much time with the advice, with, with, with the client to get to, you know, really deep. Uh, how do you approach that? So um, one of the reasons we have a mentorship and we gather advisors together uh, in small groups is so they can communicate a lot. Well, this is, you know, this is how my office works right now. How does your office work? How would you incorporate this? Um, and of course, the trainers are all, most of them are financial planners as well. So they've also gone through their own training and there are best practices that we talk about in regard to this. Um, and so there's, there, there's, I will say this, Abraham, that mm. in my work, I never did a meeting without touching on the finances. It's just I didn't lead with the finances. So that last half hour of that first meeting, <laughs> I, call, I used to call it bells and whistles. I'd go back to the Great Depression. I'd show, you know, charts and all this kind of stuff. It's, but I but I'd do it with having heard what the client was fearful about, what they cared about. And so I was constantly layering in the client into those charts. So they understood it really related directly to them. And at the second meeting, you come up with this dream of freedom. Well, now you've already begun to figure out what the obstacles to it might be. And the spreadsheet is beginning to have a time period 
uh, a goal, you know, they're beginning to put these pieces. And so we talk about those things as well. Let me just turn off my cell phone. There we are. Um, so, um, uh, so it's always layered in. And I think the third point that you're making is the one that may be most challenging for people. And that is, how do I justify this financially? That's a very important, that's a very important question. There are a number of answers to that. One of them is that I think that, that life planning is the most efficient way to do financial planning. Because what if you do financial planning and, you know, the old metaphor, oops, my ladder was on the wrong wall, you know, <laughs> even it's the wrong thing. You know, you did all that brilliant number crunching and all that stuff. The ladder's on the wrong wall. You might not realize that at first because the client never revealed to you what the right wall was because you never listened. You never talked to them about it. And so um, you don't want that kind of experience for many reasons. One is it's very inefficient. The client's upset. You know, you've tied them up into these products and they can't get out of them or, or you've made their life too risky or not risky enough. And, and you don't want that kind of problem. And that's the kind of problem area where the client goes, you know, I'm not sure this advisor was meant for me. And they look for somebody else. So one of the beauties of life planning is you don't lose clients. So your clients are basically clients for life. Why would they go anywhere else if you're the only person they've ever met in the world of finance who really listens to who they are and what they want to be? So you don't have to replenish your book of business again and again. It's, it's there. And it's so rewarding because you're constantly delivering people and learning about how people are moving forward in their life into, into their dream of freedom, into what, what it is they want to, want to do and who, they, who it is they want to be. So I think those are, those are the, I think it's far more efficient. Um, they give you all their assets rather than a portion of them. I mean, there are a whole bunch of other reasons for it, but. I've I've heard these sort of arguments before, or, or people have made a case for, um, you know, completely delinking the life planning process from the, if you like, the what we would regard as regulated financial planning, where you're dealing with the investment and the product, and you know, personally, I, I see the case for it, right? You know, like. Let's, you know, let's, let me just talk to a life planner um, who doesn't have the conflict or uh, the, the conflict, the bias, or even have to think about the, um, you know, the product side of things. But equally to me also feels incomplete, right? In the sense that we can do all these brilliant um, deep diving, but there are obstacles to actually going to implement the plan. Where, where do you stand on, on, on this uh, conundrum? I, I, I want to support everybody. So if, if someone wants to set it up unregulated and do it that way, and they have someone really exceptional that they can refer them to for the financial piece, and that maybe they talk well with that person, I'm, bully for them. I mean, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Um, that said, I love the two pieces coming together. And I've seen in my own life, in my own practice, when I was an active practitioner, I had people where I tried to do just the life planning piece. 
come and tell me that they'd worked with this person and, uh, oh, they'd made the terrible mistakes. They'd misinterpreted what I said. uh, And they got a person who was the worst product kind of seller you could possibly imagine. And they bought into what they said. And, you know, they just wove it all in. So I think what we've got is something really special, Abraham. I think that this financial knowledge that we have is exceptional. And if we can use it with the life planning piece, there's no better profession in the world. Uh, nothing can touch it. I, I couldn't agree anymore. There's a question I have for you, George, which is, um, you've been doing this for 35 years and, you know, with passion, with, um, you know, incredible commitment to, to it. And to me, the question I keep asking is, still today, life planning is still niche, right? You know, I don't know if you have any stats on the proportion of, um, you know, advisors who, who, who do this stuff as part of the process. And, and, you know, I cannot get my head around why the brilliant stuff, you know, the good stuff continues to be niche over, you know, all this product pushing type stuff. What's gonna give? How, how do we how do we change this? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Abraham, and believe me, it it can bring tears to my eyes uh, <laughs> looking at it uh, because it is. It's just it's. Um, I, I mean, the word I would use is pathetic. It's pathetic that the industry as a whole hasn't just turned and and is delivering life planning. And and yet, I I I, I want to rest on. I don't want to rest on my laurels, but I want to say that we've made a huge difference. Uh, I mean, look, just you and I, I mean, wonderful to be together and to be communicating together. And we're across, you know, this vast ocean between us, but here we are like brothers communicating with each other. That's the way. And and we've reached out to people now in 30 cultures, as I've said, and something like 4,000 advisors have studied with us. So my my notion is, I mean, that's tiny compared to the millions of advisors that are out there. But I think that, you know, you think about people like Tina and, and, uh, and others and you realize, yeah, but they're the leaders in the industry. Very often they're the leaders. And it's true in America as well, that the life planners tend to be the leaders in the industry. I think we don't realize the power of the industry. And we don't realize that they have not. I I moved over. I don't know if you knew this, but I moved over to England for uh, for uh, nearly a year, going to the high rises, the uh, skyscrapers, and to talk to people in the top in the top of these professions. And they were all they all welcomed me in. They were very interested, but nobody implemented. Nobody implemented because they're looking for what's the product, how can I get my twenty percent, and I want it systematic all the way through. And their feeling was um, they didn't see how they could do that with this. I think they could, but I think we just keep going at it, Abraham. People, people will make the change happen, and numbers are increasing. It's incredible. I, that's how I, I actually met you. Um, I do. I can't remember. It must be eight, nine years ago uh, that you, you know, you were speaking at, at this event in UBS. So they, they got you and um, uh, a, few, a few people in there. And, and, and I have to agree with you. One of the things that um, always amazes me, always um, 
amazes me is the passion the people who've gone through the kinder course you know tina weeks um you know my friend um um sorry they're, they're gonna have me for lunch for for, for, for <laughs> justin king justin king is the one i wanted to yeah justin king um you know and and and, and you know you know several others who've gone through this program they always always have passion to take it beyond them and their practice and to share the ideas not just and their clients but to share the ideas with with other planners so to me what always comes to mind is that you've lit the torch so to speak you know i know that's a title of of uh, one of your book lighting the torch but you know this idea that there is and even people who aren't financial planners, you know, my friend Deepo went through the, the, the you, know, um, you know, some of the program and they always take it, um, you know, with passion to, um, you know, to spread the word, so to speak. So um, I guess in that regard, you know, the, the, the pro profession is in good hands, um, you know, so to speak. I think so. And, and they are inspired and their energy will speak volumes all over all over the place and all over the world. Um, so I, I think um, there's a, a saying here in America, maybe it was in China that this started, that uh, the oxen are slow, but the earth is patient. Mm. And uh, and we need to be like the earth in a way and have patience. But the truth is that inspiration, it's that fire that we want to keep moving. And uh, yeah. So, so um, in, in trying to wrap this up, I know that you really truly believe that, you know, these principles of, um, you know, life planning can impact the world uh, beyond money in ways beyond, beyond money. Um, you know, and you, you wrote a book about this, The, the Golden Civilization. Just lay it out there as, as, you know, as briefly as you can, how you think that life planning and, and, and some of this principle can transcend the work that we do with um, ind individual clients. Yeah, great, great, Abraham. The, um, uh, and, I, and I do want to say that uh, I, I'm not sure, I should have looked up the numbers, but we we're we're somewhere close to a hundred registered life planners in, in England and in, in the United Kingdom with hundreds who have taken the, um, the two day program, some of our mm. programs. So, um, so the numbers are good. The um, life planning really starts with listening and then inspiring and then getting to work and making it happen. And one of the things I realized a few years ago, I mean, we're feeling it right now. Oh, what, what a terrible time for humanity to be going through. Hmm. Who would have thought the 21st century that we would see another war, significant hmm. war hmm. in Europe hmm. and, um, and, you know, be worried about the planet and, and be worried about democracy and democratic freedoms. Who would have thought? Hmm. So I, um, I, I wrote a book realizing that it's time to life plan uh, civilization. It's time to uh, really bring this strategy of listening, devising what the world is we all want it to be, and uh, making a vision of it, 
and then getting to work and making it happen. And I called the book A Golden Civilization and the map of mindfulness. So mindfulness has some relationship to this as well. Uh, it's one of my favorite things, mindfulness um, uh, and the practice. But the I, I went I went all over the world, many, many places, and then COVID came along and stopped me. So I couldn't <laughs> travel so much anymore. Still did a lot of Zoom calls. But I went to Mumbai. I went to very poor areas. I went to richer areas. I went to Tokyo and, and Singapore and uh, all across Europe and all across the States. And um, and we had other people who went down into Africa and worked with I worked with people in South Africa. And um, uh, and what I did was I asked the groups that I gathered, I said, vision for me, tell me what a golden civilization would be like. And what was really interesting, Abraham, even here in America, where we're like this polarized, right? Whichever side you were on, they said the same thing. They said it would have a lot of kindness in it. It would have compassion. It would have vitality. It would have much less inequality. Mm. Democracy and democratic freedom would be everywhere. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have uh, racism. We wouldn't have propaganda. We wouldn't have false news. We wouldn't have bigotry. We wouldn't have corruption. There it is. And people said that wherever I went, whether I went to a civilization that was more fraught with their democracy or 100% in, they all said the same thing. And you just go, wait a minute, if we all want this, why don't we just make it happen? And so that, that was my notion was, let's get together and craft that vision, make it, blare it with our trumpets loud and get everybody saying, yes, let's make it happen. And, you know, uh, and, and then uh, get to work on it. So that's, that's kind of my vision. And it's one of the, I'm doing a number of things to kind of promote that kind of thing. Uh, um, including something called a fiduciary standard for all corporations and governments uh, involving the planet and democracy as well as clients. Um, but uh, so I think there are ways of doing it. And we just, good people, you and I, we just need to keep getting out there and saying, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it this way? Let's all come together and make it happen. So I think the more energy we put into it, the more possibility there is of it happening. Just inspirational, inspirational stuff. Um, you know, George, where can we find you? We know we're gonna shout about it. You're gonna be in the in the in the UK in the summer. Everyone knows that. Uh, but where can we find more about you? Um, you know, and 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 your work. So I, I want to say that about the summer. The summer, it's mostly going to be vacation with my kids. So just so you know, it's not going to be a lot. But, but Kathy and I are serious. We love the UK. We're going to be spending close to half our time in the UK. And we've already plotted it out starting in March of next year. So um, uh, maybe February, February, March, April, May, June, and July uh, next year. Watch for us, and then we'll be doing programs and that kind of thing. But the, um, the the two websites, the financial website that most of your audience would be most interested in, is the kinderinstitute.com website. But I'm doing a lot of stuff on my own now. I mean, I'm, it's all integrated. I'm you know still very active with Kinder Institute, but I'm really living a life, my life, the life I've always wanted to live. So that life that wanted to be an artist and wanted to live more spiritual and more mindfulness, I'm doing it. And if you go on georgekinder.com, 
you'll find that I'm now giving, I couldn't make a living at it, so I'm now giving uh, these beautiful photographs laced with poetry, uh, uh, nature, uh, it's an environmental book. It's a book about practicing mindfulness in nature and using nature as our teacher, our environment as our teacher. And it's beautiful. You can get it for free in your inbox on a weekly basis. And uh, I'm doing it, uh, you know, poetry and photography every day of the year. So you'd have something for every day. But I started with my weekly edition. So uh, georgekinder.com, you'll find a protest album that my daughter London and I sang and wrote together. So there's <laughs> lots of stuff, man. Uh, I'm having a great time, uh, the time of my life. So um, those would be the two sites to look for, Abraham. Just incredible, incredible stuff. You've all known George Kinder, the father of life planning, but now I give you George Kinder, the artist. George, thank you very much for your incredible wisdom, for the work that you do for, you know, challenging and inspiring all of us, um, you know, to be, be, be the best versions of ourselves. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you, Abraham. So great to be with you again. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you, thank you very much guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline App, the retirement planning software, and Bitfolio, the high-tech, low-cost, flat-fee model portfolio manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on Money. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.